local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to a Tuesday edition of Extra Time. We're here until 8 o'clock this evening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on a busy, busy weekend of sport. So much to reflect on. Our text number is 083 311 You can also get us on WhatsApp, same number, 083-311-3311. Our Twitter handle is at TipFM Sport. Later in tonight's show, we'll be announcing the TipFM January Sports Star of the Month. And uh, a good few great nominations came in this month and uh, not easy picking a winner from those. We'll announce that before we go off air this evening. Uh, we'll also be looking back on Tip's win over Dublin in Parnell Park in the opening round of the National Hurling League. And Tip's really impressive win up in Longford. Uh, Pierce Stadium and Pierce Park in Longford and uh, getting their first win in the National Football League round two uh, ahead of their trip to London. Uh, lots to talk about there. We've also got um, ladies football for you as well as local soccer as well. And if you want to get involved in tonight's show, our text number is 083-311-3311. But I'm going to start with events in um, the Harty Cup final. And it's going to be long remembered, I think, up in Nina after the drama of not just the semi-final win, but also the final win. And let's just revisit that final win with the commentary from Paul Carroll on the evening of uh, last Saturday. Now, just to put this in context for those of you who weren't listening to the commentary, when we start this commentary, Nina are trailing by two points. It's 21 points to Art School Reach, 116 to Nina. And let's just say a long high ball comes in to the square. Says the referee, but now it's a chance for Brian O'Mara from an angle. Oh, what a save from the goalkeeper! Brian O'Mara from about 25 yards. It was heading for the top corner. Brilliant save. It's still bouncing around the square. Who's going to get there? There, Jersey. There, Jersey has it. Has he been fouled? No, says referee. Hambas goes out. Stick into the back. No, saved again off the line. Going out, scramble. Yeah! It's a goal! I go for the yeah! I go for Nina CBS. I go for Nina. time. They could be about to win their first ever Hardy Cup. Come on! There's so many buddies in there, I don't know who got it. The puck out goes long, and the puck out goes yes! long. It's over the line, we're waiting for the full-time whistle. The referee has to blow on a jet. The ball was flicked back into the back of the net. I don't know who it was. It could have been number seven, Andy Hoolin, but I can't tell you. There were so many bodies in there. It was the mother of all goal mount scrambles. But Nina CBS to put it into the back of the net. And now they lead 216 to 21 points. So the referee is looking at his watch. He's waiting. Now this will be a dramatic of all dramatic wins. Is he going to give him a chance? Kieran Foley strikes it. Yeah! CBS are the oh. Cup champions. They've won their first ever title in the most dramatic oh. of fashions. They're oh, down by two points in injury time. A long ball went in. It was in around the edge of the square What for what felt like an eternity. It was eventually flicked into the back of the net on the ground. And for the first time in the school's history, Nina CBS are Hardy Cup champions. Uh, that's Paul Carroll and uh, his co-commentator as impartial a observers of the um, of events in uh, I think Cusick Park over the course of Saturday afternoon. Shane Brophy and Nina Gargian, formerly of this parish, is on the line. How are you, Shane? Hi, Ron. Um, it was as exciting as Paul made it out to be, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just as, as dramatic a conclusion you could get, like you were 
Shades of for, Shades for of the Minor win over uh, Offaly two years ago, yeah, I imagine. That's it, yeah. That 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 dreaded two point lead. I suppose when when Patrick Kearney sort of slalomed his way through for the the, the second lead point for um for Art Scullerish, you thought that that was it done and dusted. Um, but I say he might have been better off sticking it wide because like, if there was going to be one more chance, Nina would have had to go for the goal and. Look a lot like the semi final against Charleville when they fell behind in injury time. They just just refused to give in and like they had like they just every, every time the ball landed in that square in that last frantic period of play, it was a Nina player who won the ball off and off, laid it off to Andy Hoolan, laid it off to Brian O'Mara, he got the shot away, it was blocked and then then Nina won the second ball again and it just it was just nearly a sheer we weren't going to be denied and um, I know uh, Paul's commentary didn't know it at the time but he was on, he was on point Andy Hoolan got the, the vital touch to, to force it over the line and I suppose just to, to to break their duck in the competition like that like they'd lost four finals in the past 34 years up to that and to finally get their name in the role of honour now is a, a fantastic way to do it Well it's a hell of a way to do it but it was a hell of a journey as well you mentioned and you referenced the Charleville game um, it does imply or it gives it, it you know it, it, what it speaks to is the spirit that's in that camp there is something kind of unique you don't always see it in, in teenagers No and it's something actually I, I was I was outside the, the dressing room um, doing interviews after the game and, and Paul Fanagan one of the art school reach mentors went to, was had, was going in to, to speak to the Nina team and it was a thing he remarked an awful lot in his, his few words that the spirit and the togetherness, and he said he he remarked that he hadn't seen anything like it maybe in, in a team in a long time, and it's just like they're just the sheer will to win, and like they're they're such a I suppose a, a united group. Like I suppose look on paper, and I suppose as the game wore on, I broke down. I thought um, Art Scullery probably had more of the technically better hurlers, but I think Nina were the better team overall. They're just after maybe the first 20 minutes, well, one or two nerves, they fell nine points to five behind. But after that, I thought there was as good, if not better, than our skull reach. They really, they forced them into a lot of mirrors. They're hooking, they're blocking, they, they chase down everything. Just, I suppose, if, if you were to real old-style Tipperary hurling, like real, they really got in the face of the opposition. And plus, they had some fantastic individual talents, like Darren McCarthy, um, eight points, on on Duhan at three points in play, Mason Cawley three points in play. Kieran Foley man of the match. That from the hot, he was on the, the minor team two years ago. They won the All Ireland. He played a central role in midfield. He he helped turn this game in the second half when he went to centre back for midfield. So like uh, just uh, they have a lovely balance to that Nina team at the, uh, this year. Um, a Dean Ryan Cup as well in the same year. I'm wondering two questions really. How often has that been done before, and how much? commonality was there between those two squads I know they're two different age grades but was there any yeah. of the uh, Dean Ryan players up to to Harty Cup level uh, there would have been like the Owen Dohan um, I, I would remark he, he started in the, that Dean Ryan final Austin Duff who came off the bench on on Sunday he got or sorry on Saturday he got 1-1 he, he played in that Dean Ryan final so and then you had the likes of Darren McCarthy and Keane Connolly and Zach Keller there were mentors on that team so like there was a great there's no doubt that the, the Harty Cup group took an awful lot of belief in that Dean Ryan win which is actually Nina's first Dean Ryan win like to break their duck in both prestigious competitions in the one school year is incredible for them like it's it's, it's definitely a school term that'll, that'll never be forgotten like they're really something special in the water up there this year um, They have won a Croke Cup in the past but I always got the impression with that Croke Cup win as important and as celebrated as it was not picking up the hearty along the way it's almost 
listeners would have to understand the history and the prestige of the Hearty Cup to, to realise how disappointing it is to lose a Hearty Cup final. Nina have lost four of them and you know, the disappointment or the depth of the disappointment of losing a Hearty Cup is probably deeper than the joy of winning a Crow Cup if you see the point I'm labouring with here. Yeah, I know. I, I fully understand. I know it would probably kill any people listening to be thinking, what are you talking about when all the All-Ireland's Cairns have won and Crow Cups? But there's something there's something special with the Hearty. Like it is, I think for all the Munster schools, if you win a Hearty it's 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 your year is your your target is achieved and nearly the your bonus territory bonus after, after that. Yeah, like yeah. and I get it, it, it in some ways it does it, it sounds a bit short a bit of a short change argument but look that this competition has gone since 1908 like it's had esteemed winners Flannans St Finbars St Coleman's third of CBS like and it just it just has that lore about it like there's not many schools competitions will get. Three three and a half thousand people to Ennis on a Sun Saturday lunchtime, like for and and to get a quality game at that as well. So, um, like there isn't too many competitions like it. I'd say maybe the Leinster Schools Cup in rugby, where you, you would get a lot of maybe. I suppose you, when once you go to that school, you sort of have a tradition. You keep you always keep an eye on the results after that. It sort mm. of has that same effect with it in terms of uh, schools hurling in Munster. Yeah, yeah, I suppose what surprises people maybe is how long it's taken Nina to win the Hearty but yeah. again what people need to understand is it's one of the hardest things to win I mean Turles haven't you know Turles CBS might be the kind of go-to Tipperary school for Hearty Cup success but they went a long long number of years in the wilderness not able to win it it's just a very very difficult thing to win Absolutely I think it's more difficult for Tipperary schools and other people might I think that'd be strange because it's such a hurling tradition in Tip. But a lot of our players in Tip are, are very much spread out. Like if you went looked at Flannans over the years and Coleman's and and, and North the old Northmont, like they were able to, to get people in from parishes and far and wide, and even put them up. And uh, I suppose there were there were, there were well, boarding schools. Says that, yeah. Said, yeah. And whereas now nowadays, I suppose that's more or less gone. And like. I suppose it, it, it has always probably stuck in the craw. Maybe that how Nina hadn't won, considering you're they're in such a hotbed of hurling and all the clubs, the eight clubs that actually fed onto this team. And then I suppose there was a little, maybe a small bit of envy, seeing that that likes of Cashel and Templemore, probably contemporary schools of Nina, managed to get in there and win a couple over the last few years as well. So look, like for 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 Tipperary, like they're really fighting hard in this competition like to have five five of the 22 schools in the competition and the uh, tip school wins it for the second year in a row and almost had another hall tip final like it just shows that uh, our, our schools are really putting in an awful lot of work at the moment yeah and I, I mean that was my last question to you is in relation to the games development officers or what I mean did what do you attribute that to the fact that at the start of a hearty cup season you 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 have a fair expectation a reasonable expectation that certainly the Tipperary schools are going to be at the business end of it mm. in a way that you don't necessarily say with Cork schools anymore and you know that's not necessarily a good thing for Cork Hurling and Cork Hurling is where it is but yeah. I, I don't know whether you can correlate you know success at schools with, with, with how your county goes um, I, I suppose it, it, I suppose it probably just it just I suppose it backs up maybe a lot of I suppose that All-Ireland minor success two years ago you're probably thinking under 19 now a lot of those guys would, be, would have been on hearty teams this year um, the Turlises, the Cashels, like the, all all the teams, tip teams got to the knockout stages. Bar Carrigan Shore and they were knocked out by a narrow margin. Like just unfortunately, Conmel lose a, a B final. But that yeah. would have said to me that if they had if they had fielded in Hearty this year, they'd probably been very very competitive. Like so, and look, I think there's, it's definitely going to give maybe give the likes of maybe a, a Clonmel or an Abbey CBS or even a Bursa Kane who maybe 
have been maybe playing B and C hurling, maybe try and get up to A level and Hartley. But like the prestige of playing in the competition is incredible. And uh, look, there's it's it's a great, particularly for probably the under twenties to tip under twenty squad. Yeah. It's a great breeding ground for for. I'm sure Brendan Cummins got an awful lot out of that campaign, looking ahead to his ca- under twenty season in the next few weeks. Yeah, no, it is, it is great, and I'm glad you referenced Clamell's narrow defeat. I think to Liz Moore. Um, I even if you want to apply that further afield and your own parish of Lara, I think we're well yeah. represented in Banner's win in the Leinster B Colleges final. Yeah, we had um, I think we had about six or seven on the squad. Yeah, yeah so I think Banner and Liz Moore could potentially meet in an All Ireland final. In I'm not sure whether what way the draw is working on that, but like that would be a um, be great for them. Hopefully, maybe Nina can go on further. Like I suppose they have they've drawn the short straw this year, and that because there's three. There's only three provinces in if no Ulster representation. The, the finalists from each of the provinces goes through, and on a on a on a rota basis, it's the Munster champion that has to play the quarter final this year. So they have to dust themselves down probably someday this week and try and refocus. They're playing the losers of the Leinster final tomorrow. Ludwig St Kieran's or Kilkenny CBS, and that's going to be a serious challenge. Yeah. Like so, but like. They're going into that match as Hearty Cup champions, I'm sure. Look, they're 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 going to take massive confidence from that now. Yeah, and many congratulations to everybody up in Nina CBS. I hope they enjoyed their I'm sure they did enjoy their last forty eight hours. Uh they Shane, sure did. <laughs> they sure did. You heard it here. Thanks, Shane. Talk to you soon, friend. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. That's Shane Brophy from the Nina Guardian. Let's hear from Darren McCarthy, the understandably ecstatic uh Nina captain. He spoke to Paul Carroll at the full time whistle. Oh, just Disbelief, to be honest. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I still, I still don't know what, what's going on. In a way, to be honest with you, I thought, I thought it was gone yet again. But this group, it's they're phenomenal. It's the best group I've ever played. With. Unbelievable. The heart, the heart is just. It's second to none. Second to none. It was. It looked like it had gone, as you said. It was well deep into injury time. Two points down. The, the ball that went in was short. It was kept and played. Their goalie made an unbelievable save. The lads kept it going. Andy Hoolan eventually got it into the back of the net. Puck out went. Final whistle went. There was huge emotion on your part. Describe yeah. that that emotion when, when the final whistle went. I'm not sure, was it Andy or Jake? I, I, I think it was Andy. Sure. I think it was Andy. Anyway, credit credit to either of them. Yeah, just ball going in like that is absolutely lethal. Sure, it nearly happened the last day as well. Nearly carbon copy of it to be honest, but slightly different. But it doesn't matter what way it goes in. If it goes in. That's it. Not again. How for yourself to, to captain this team, lift that Hearty Cup, first man in the school's history to do it. Just huge proud moment for yourself and for all your teammates, I'm sure. Yeah, proud moment, but especially to all our parents who, who sacrificed day in the out for us. That's it's more or less for them than anyone. That's that's who we that's that's the team talk nearly every day. It's look up to that stand and there's people there that are so proud of you who pay good money to come see you play, so don't let them down. That's our that's sort of our, our motto for the last few games. So, and it's it's just been the most incredible way to win. I'm still ne- nearly not down off the high myself, so I'm, I can't believe I can't imagine what it's like for you yeah. who are out in that field. But just sum it up in a few words: like first ever Hearty Cup for the school. Like, what does that mean? Outrageous, just proud, pure proudness. You can't thank can't thank the school enough for what they've done for us and the management team and and Dunlop and all it, and especially to. Shawnee Keely couldn't be here today, but he's he's been a big part of us. He's on the tip squad today. He's, a, he's just been a big part of us as well. So yeah, 
Unreal. Uh, fair play to you. Six-year student, you've the, the mocks this year. I'm sure that's uh, the mocks now yeah. for the next week. Could be fairly low down in the priority. I'd say, I'd say the mocks will be a write-off now, to be honest with you. <laughs> the mocks will be a write-off. So... Poor old Dara having to answer a question about the mocks after he uh, had just lifted the hearty cup for Nina for the first time in their history. Dara McCarthy, Nina captain. Many congratulations to him, his teammates, his, all everyone involved. It really is a good, good news story. Let's turn our attention to uh, events in Parnell Park on Saturday afternoon. Tipperary got a good run out and a good win. It's not an easy place to go and win, but Liam Cal was understandably pleased with his afternoon's work. Yes, yeah, even happy enough with the win. Um, once we get to 27 so you know nice scoring on a on a February winter's day I suppose to be fair so um, yeah all in all a good workout came up for the two points got them and you know drive on now to Galway in Turles uh, next Sunday You're getting to see a good lot of players across the year and uh, a lot of the younger lads are stepping up to the mark now and doing everything they can to you know stake a claim Yep that's it uh, the whole the whole idea of, of it is to get as, as many uh, of our panel, you know, proper exposure today. Today was good to get some of the, the newer faces integrated with some of the more established players. And, yeah, all in all, we'll try our best to do that as best we can through the, the rest of the league. And, obviously, keep keep our focus on trying to pick up points and, and, and win matches along the way. Your two captains were named during the week, Ronan Mayer and uh, Jake Morris, both had... You know, great games today. Jake Morris, tough week for him, losing his aunt as well. Yeah, yeah, a tough week for Jake. I, I only realised that uh, uh, early this morning. And so uh, we send out our condolences there to, to Jake and, and his dad, Seamus, and all the, all the Morris family. But um, uh, good good performance from Jake. Got a couple of vital scores there, especially one of the goals just when we needed it. We seemed to be, uh, you know, drawn for air there at one stage uh, where Dublin really came at us at the start of the second half. And uh, you know, Jake got his opportunity to to uh, the second goal. I think yeah, Shawnee Ryan got the first. But uh, yeah, but a good marksman, Jake, and custom to putting away them chances when they arise. You were kind of you know fluid before half time, looked in control with the wind, and then Dublin at the start of the second half got a couple of quick points. You conceded a lot of frees in that period, you know, and that like allowed them back into the game. Yeah, this you know inter county hurling, you can't afford to be off for a second, you know, and. We, we we discussed starting the second half as fast as we could at half time, but you know Dublin came out. They were a little bit late coming out onto the field. Obviously, they were they were well riled up, and uh, they showed that got the first score to start the second half, and uh, kind of dictated quite a bit there for us for maybe a 15 minute period. But in fairness to the lads, they figured it out, worked it out. Um, you know, kept their heads, used the ball well, and. You know, capitalised, I suppose, on a couple of Dublin errors then that, that, that hurted Dublin that bit more, especially when they were trying to get get traction at that time. So, um, yeah, I, you know, we'll have to look back at it again, obviously, which we will do, the, myself and the, and the management team, over the course of the week and pick out the areas that, that we really need to go after for Galway next weekend. That's Liam Cal speaking to Stephen Gleeson at the full-time whistle in Parnell Park on Saturday. Ken, Ken Hogan was there for Tip FM. How are you, Ken? Hi, Roland. How are things? Good, good. Uh, your takeaways from Parnell Park on Saturday afternoon? Well, I thought it was a very efficient performance. Um, obviously, going into Parnell Park, a sticky pitch. Dublin have a great record there. Um, Dublin have had played in Crow Park a number of times in the Holland League against Tip. But I presume, you know, starting off their first game, they would have wanted to do very well. 
uh, particularly in their home patch, but it didn't work out that way because Tip were excellent in the first half, you know, really went at the game and their point scoring was was, was top-notch. Uh, they were running with the ball. Midfield was very impressive. Willie Connors and Owen Connolly particularly were very good. And it meant that, obviously, Garola Connor had a field day with threes and 65s and even a fine sideline cut. So, overall, t- probably Tip weren't as tested as, as much as the thought it would be. It was a disappointing display from Dublin. But having said that, Tip can only uh, play what's in front of him and uh, I thought they were very efficient. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned midfield. It, it does open up options. I think Alan Tynan's kind of moved into the half-forward line, may well come back to midfield at some stage. There's Nolan, John McGrath, capable of doing a job there. There's probably um, Dara Stakelum to come back in as well. Yes, you know, Dan McCormick, Seamus Kennedy. Yeah. You know, you can, Barry Heffernan, who again made a welcome return to the league action as well. So, there's a lot of, you know, uh, conundrums there from that point of view. And, of course, Jason Ford up front as well, you know, and himself an outstanding free taker. So, look, at, it's all food for thought. Um, I'm sure Liam is very happy with his charges. You could see they wanted to do well, um, whether we like it or not. I suppose they have a point to prove. Um, I think, you know, two days after the game or three days after the event, Ronan... Uh, all eyes are turning towards this Galway game because, unfortunately, which obviously is, is a torn in our side, Galway have proved a bogey uh, team for us and they're on a mission as well. Eamon O'Shea in with him as coach, our own Eamon. So I think next Sunday is going to be a bigger test. It's going to be an acid test. So I think, uh, you know, with the personnel he had last weekend against Dublin, um, he'd probably, you know, strengthen it with a couple of players too. But overall a very satisfactory display yeah it was an important win as well I think because you have to finish in the top three in your division to make sure you're in division one next year as Tom McGrath was explained to us last week and uh, on the law of averages you'd expect that ourselves and and Galway will be in that top three on the law of averages and you know Dublin would have I'm sure sure I'm sure Dublin would have targeted uh, the tip game you know a home game um, and you know they have to play uh, the Galways of this world as well. So from that point of view, they would have targeted Tip, you know, as a potential game to win. But uh, Tip were totally superior in, in all facets of the game. And, you know, I think, you know, welcome return for Craig Morgan. Great to see him back yes. up and run, running. You know, Connor Bowe is still uh, showing uh, great potential at half back. Could he play midfield as well? Probably, probably well capable of considering the athlete he is. Uh, but, Really, you know, um, up front, Jake Morris just opened up in the second half, 1-4. Uh, to be fair, the goal, a brilliant assist from, from Willie, Willie Connors, you know, to a brilliant pass. It was a beautiful vision, Jake, I thought, to see that. Yeah, pass. yeah, yeah. And Willie has that in abundance. And when Jake saw that chance, of course, uh, you know, um, fleet of foot uh, flew in and buried in the back of the lift. You know, two good goals from himself and Sean Ryan. So... That put a bit of daylight between the sides. Dublin did make a comeback, as Liam, you know, mentioned in the second half. But Tip were always totally in control, and um, obviously, you know, it's two points in the bag. That's the way Liam will look at it. Um, he will look at this game next Sunday. I think there will be a bit of edge in it, you know, considering our disappointing performance against Galway in the championship. I think we have a little point to prove there. And of course, Galway will will themselves want to obviously stamp their authority on things because they're trying to establish themselves. Shefflin's in his third year, you know, he's a year ahead of Liam. 
um, he needs to get silverware and get silverware fast. So from that perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm really expecting a really competitive game this weekend. And possibly a game that we'll have more to talk about. Or we'll learn more from a game against Galway, rather, which might be two or three points in it at the end might be what our what our team needs rather than kind of facile victories which are going to come against the likes of Westmead you know uh, where we will learn very little yeah well that's that's the, that's the, that's the territory you're in um, that's the way it works um, to be fair to Westmead uh, they're trying as hard as they possibly can with a small with a small pick but I suppose the Galway game is one that you would be pinpointing as a really competitive game and of course, it let people know particularly where we stand and who is putting their hands up for places on the team. Um, the key thing now is that all these established players that we we mentioned, um, Roland, um, have uh, you know to roll up their sleeves and get their place back in the team as well. So, I suppose really, even though it's only February, the championship is you know coming down the road in in, in April. So, Liam also would like to get you know you know, the kernel of his team, the, the, the majority of his team up and running, particularly, uh, you know, by the end of February. So I expect, you know, a couple of changes next weekend, probably to strengthen things up, but also uh, the five guys he's bringing in will be, you know, important people as regards having an influence in the game, particularly towards the finish when when when, when games are there to be won. Yeah, listen, uh, lots to look forward to as a, as a busy programme of hurling comes uh, into full swing. Ken, thanks as always for your time. Anytime, Roland. God bless. Thanks indeed. Ken Hogan joining us there. Let's get some a little bit more analysis because JJ Kendi's on the line. How are you, JJ? Hi, Roland. Ah, I suppose I'll stick, start with a difficult one for you. Roland Maher, three or six? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for an easy question. Yeah, yeah. well, I thought I'd um, bring up. <laughs> I suppose ideally you'd like him at six, um, but there's a real problem at three because we don't we don't have a natural fit for three at at this stage. So, but wasn't Ronan Ronan, Ronan played at three in the nineteen final and yeah, you know, yeah, oh no, I mean, and he, and Mikey Green both. can play three. Uh, I think the Seamus well, Kennedy experiment at three is probably not going to be uh, repeated. Barry Heffernan yeah, can play no. at three. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm not too sure about, about uh, Mikey Green at, at three. I have a personal view on that, but. Um, you know, yeah, Ronan has has played at at uh, at three. It, it's a matter, I suppose, if you are saying where could he have most influence and where would he have the biggest impact on the, on the team. Ideally, maybe you'd like him on the half line, um, but it's a matter of of, of trying to, to fill the spaces and uh, to, to juggle players around. And I guess as well, you know, in the in the nature of games nowadays, um, you know, uh, fullback positions are, are a bit different. You you, you still need the you know, the essential requirements for fullback. But a lot of the time, maybe you'll find yourself out in the wing or coming out to the half line, following a player or whatever. So uh, positions aren't as, aren't as static as they used to be. And uh, But I, 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 I still think that, you know, it's probably a little bit of an issue with the, with the management um, as to how to fill that number three slot. And for the moment, they're sticking with Ronan. Yeah, I, I, there's an argument, though, that while Ronan might contribute more at six um, he, he you know he might be your best option at three because of the fact not that we have an embarrassment of riches in the half back line but the likes of Brian O'Mara can do a job there Ron, um, Robert Burns looked well at six I thought on uh, on Saturday um, Seamus Kennedy could probably play six um, mm-hmm. there's probably several more that I haven't even thought of yeah there are yeah and um 
it's just a matter of getting the getting the mix uh, getting the mix right. And uh, I, I thought on on Saturday one of the really positive things uh, from the game was was the form of Craig Morgan at at cornerback, which. Uh, you know, straightens up your, your your options there considerably. I mean, Carl Barrett obviously has come back in there as well. Um, so so you have options. Um, Craig, I thought, was outstanding. And, you know, if he can sustain that form and push on from there, um, struggled a bit maybe last year after coming back from injury and a bit slower maybe to get back than, than he would have liked, but uh, really looked in, in, in top-class nick uh, on Saturday. So... You do. You do have options. You, you have. A, you have a lot of players when you go through them. Uh, you know. I suppose Dan McCormick has played wing back as well. Um, Seamus Kennedy, as you mentioned, and so on. So, Conor Bowen now being tried, being tried there uh, as a kind of a different option, uh, an attacking wing back. So, loads of options. I, I just think the the issue for the management really is to try and get the best mix um, to get the the best six ultimately for the championship. I suppose, uh, and that's what they'd be trying to do. I think during the league. Did the scoring, I suppose, you know, what we score, 222 or something? I mean, in Winter Hurland, that says, that speaks volumes of the way the game has gone because fellas are sticking mm. it over from far, like when we were watching Hurland back in the 80s. You just wouldn't see scores like that in February. No, um, 227, by the way, for one of us, I take any points from them. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's huge scoring and... Uh, but I guess, you know, as well as the modern trend in the game, as you rightly say, is, is part of that. And as well as that, I think uh, Parnell Park is a very tight pitch. Um, it's a few years since I was there, and I hadn't realised just how tight it is. Uh, so, so guys will, you know, easily score from, from 80, 90 yards out or whatever. And uh, you had um, Reece Shelley scoring a point from just outside his own 20-metre line of free down the first half. That would give you an idea. Now, he did... He did have the breeze behind him, but still, it's you know, it's 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 a short pitch. Um, but um, yeah, it was. I mean, from a temporary perspective, I suppose one, that's one of the things that will will have pleased um, uh, Liam Cahill, albeit against poor opposition. I thought, I thought Dublin very very poor, uh, and uh, when when they were missing a few key players, you know, like Owen O'Donnell and uh, Donald Buck and players like that. They got it back uh, to four at one stage in the second. Started the second half. I thought they came out strongly in the second half, but whatever, yeah. whatever purple patch they had was short lived, and Tip were more than capable of responding. It was, it was, and um, I, I guess the goal was really, really, uh, you know, took, took the window of their saves really in the second half. Uh, but you're right; they came out there. They bothered us for, you know, for for ten minutes, maybe fifteen minutes in the second half. Um, much more energetic, went at Tipperary, didn't give us the scope they were giving us in the first half. Uh, and we were struggling. We were at times struggling to get the ball out of defence. And I, I think it should be remembered as well. I think I think this Tip team, from what I've seen of them in challenge matches and, and so on uh, so far, that they're, they're certainly trying to develop a, a different style of game, uh, which does involve a lot of, of interpassing and a lot of running with the ball and so on. And... Uh, and that carries risks, and I, I think if, if you're not really if you're not really on the money with that, you, you can find yourself running into trouble very easily. And, and early in the second half, we got caught a few times trying to, to bring the ball out of defence. Um, but uh, you know, Dublin had us had us under the cost at that stage. But then you know, Shawnee's, Shawnee Ryan's goal, I think, took the steam out of Dublin at that stage. Mm-hmm. And even when they came back to four points, then the Jake Morris goal really buried the contest, and we were just sailing away at the end. So. It, it was it was comfortable, but I, I wouldn't get carried away with it. It was comfortable in the context of of a weak enough opponent. And uh, Sunday, I think, will be the will be the real test. 
first real test that we're all looking forward to and plenty to digest next Monday night. JJ, as always, many thanks for your time. Thanks for having That's JJ Kennedy with his thoughts on events in Tarl, not in Tarlis, in Parnell Park last Saturday afternoon. Uh, I think it's about 3.45 next Sunday afternoon throw-in in Thurles for Tip Galway and lots to learn from that. Our text number is 083-311-3311. Let's hear from the uh, manager of the Tipperary football team, Paul Kelly. He spoke to the assembled media after Tipperary's fine performance in Longford with their first points of the league campaign. Paul Kelly spoke to uh, Paul Carroll. Yeah, look, I mean, um, I spoke to you last week and uh, probably highlighted that there was too many errors. You know, three goals, you lose a game today, no goals. Still a few errors, um, but a huge work rate um, from... Probably wasn't happy with the first 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, to be honest with the breeze. took us a little bit longer to get into it. But then, uh, you know... I think we showed a huge amount of um, go-forward power in that second part of the first half. And then, to be fair to them, I think they were fairly relentless in the second half, you know, and uh, some big moments there. But as I say, if you don't concede goals, you're in with a chance. And this team can score and did very well there today like you know there was lots of pleasing elements I'm sure for you as manager but a lot of younger players kind of stood up there today Cahill Dealey was brilliant James Morris out there as well but Paddy Creedon is someone who kind of really stood out there looking on in that game he really kind of took the game by the scruff of the neck in that second half he's got extreme athleticism running with the ball and he kind of really showed the, the best of his abilities out there today yeah look um, Pat, no doubt Paddy made a huge um, contribution today but ultimately, you know, 15 attack, 15 defend, and it takes 20 to win, you know. And I suppose when, when Longford probably got a foothold early on, you conceded a kick out when you pushed up again, a lot like last uh, weekend, you, you, got a, you, held, you get a foothold in the game. Like when, when they had possession, they were able to penetrate you a bit too easily maybe early on. Yeah, I mean, in that first 15 minutes, probably wasn't as happy of where we had discussed over Tuesday and Friday and practiced over Tuesday and Friday. We were probably just a little bit timid. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we pressed the aggression button, mm-hmm. um, I thought we were very good, like, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, pressure brings mistakes, and I think we caused a few more mistakes by that pressure, like, you know? Mm-hmm. That's Paul Kelly speaking to the media after Tipperary's win in Longford. Let's hear more from it. Anthony Shelley Pierre over the football boards on the line. How are you, Anthony? Uh, how are you? Good to uh, talk to you, Anthony. Um, quickly, well, I suppose my first question is what were your takeaways as you drove home from Pierce Park in Longford on s- Sunday? Ronan, sorry, there. I, I, I nearly called you Paul there for a second. That's all right. I've been called um, worse, yeah, but it's all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, it was a positive enough performance. Uh, you know, you, you come away. It's a long time since coming away from um, from a, from a football match in a better mood than I went into it, and uh, that was definitely the case on um, on Sunday. Like we, you know, I, I heard Paul Kelly there cut a bit of his interview there, and he was saying like that he wouldn't have been happy with the first fifteen minutes, and he, and he'd be dead right. Uh, we coughed up a lot of chances in that in that fifteen first fifteen minutes where. Um, the the final ball from Longford didn't go to hand, and if it did, they could have been in for two or three goals, which is probably something that we will have to work on because the same happened um, 
against Carlo, we, we coughed up chances. But from the 15th minute on, you know, we were very positive. The far better team. Yeah, I think the scoreboard at the end had, what is it, two points in it. Mm. But, you know, it, it that that flattered Longford, I thought. I thought um, going forward, we just powered on going every time, trying to be trying to be positive, always trying to pass the ball forward. Well, uh, well I think yeah, that's very, just something that, just to pick up on something Tom McGrath suggested, he actually said he travelled home from the Carlo match in better form, even though we'd lost, because he saw such positivity in our play. And it does appear from what I'm hearing in relation to the Longford game and the Carlo game, even though they had opposite results, that Paul Kelly's fingerprints are very much on this team early on in, in his tenure. Very, very early on, yeah. And, um, like he, he obviously just wants to play um, to, to kind of, it's kind of a throwback to maybe the Liam, remember when Liam Kearns was manager? No, oh God, don't uh, know what, like 2016. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and then, Seems to be the type of football we play. I suppose if you were to be critical, maybe we're a little bit too gung ho. But you know, um, as, as as he gets more work into the team, we'll probably concentrate a little bit more on, on getting our defensive structures right as well. Because last last Sunday, we played Longford last year in Division Three. It was a draw game. We should have won, but uh, we we dropped a five point lead in, in injury time. But uh, Last Sunday, we took the field with only six of that team that played there, that drew up in Longford last week. So to introduce nine new players into it, it's going to get it's going to take a bit of time and uh, to get every aspect of the game right. But I mean, yeah, I like I like so far I like the style of football that we that we seem to be trying to play. Okay, any update on on um, Stephen O'Brien? I know he went off injured again, and uh, he's a player who's. Look with injuries has been absolutely awful and we just with his captaincy year this year you just love him to get a run of games yeah you always worry when Stephen goes down because you know traditionally he seems to be a very slow healer like when he when he's injured he seems to be out for, out for a while um, don't know it didn't look to be a lot in it uh, I think he, he had come off in the latter stages of the Carlo game he had come off with kind of a I'm not sure was it a quad injury or or whatever, and maybe it was just a a reoccurrence of that. So um, I'd hope that probably tonight is probably their first night back in together in, in, in Doctor Morris Park. So you'll be hoping that uh, fingers crossed that it's not too bad. I mean, he does have two weeks. We we're not out next weekend. The next game is the weekend after in in, um, in London. So you'd be hoping that he'd be available for that. Yeah, just a word on Longford. I mean, these are O'Byrne Cup winners. Um, I just, yeah, I, I probably says more about the natures of pre-season competitions that Longford have played two, lost two, but that wasn't foreseen coming into the league. Um, perhaps it speaks to the competitiveness of League Division Four. Yeah, I mean, we be we be looking at um, in Division Four, like you be saying that. That win now would set us up, and hopefully that we might be in, involved in the promotion in the promotion race, which is probably something after Carlo that you wouldn't be saying that you wouldn't have been saying after losing to them. But sure to be more twists and turns along the way, and Longford will get back on track. Uh, you know, they, they they looked a little bit out of sorts on Sunday. Um, they probably have a few issues up there that they probably need to deal with themselves. A lot of their their better players. Are aging and um, coming, listening, to, listening to them. They were 
coming out of the match, they were saying that there's players that need to come back into that squad. So they have their own issues, but I mean, that's not for us to, us to sort out. We have London next, and you'd hopefully get London, and then Leash the week after. And uh, that Leash in Central Stadium, that'll be a big game. And, you know, the Leash situation isn't simple either there at the moment, but to Justin McNulty, will he still be Leash manager by the time? By the time we get to play him, like you know, yeah, so well, not a, it will be twists and turns yeah, along the way. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a good news story. Anywhere, Connell Kennedy's another player has to come back. There's a couple of injuries. That's, uh... There's a couple of injuries. I think Connell will probably be available for London, as uh, I think maybe Evan Comerford, who has missed the last the opening two games, will will be available there. So, um, you know, a trip to London, Paul. I said it'll all try to be making themselves available. Um, you know, but uh, I believe those two are you know. Those two are very close to coming back from what from the information I'm getting anyway. Glass half full, Anthony, yeah? Oh, it's very much half full. Very much half full at the moment, you know. Um, we'll take that. And, like, you know. Yeah, because... It's a work in progress. Like, You've got to remember Paul's yeah. only in, 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 in position. He's not even there eight weeks nearly, I'd say. Ten. Yeah. I, it, it, I, I heard a few people talking about Tom's comment last week, you know, that he, you know, he wasn't as disappointed as he, you know, you would be after a, a loss against Carlo because he's seen loads of, loads of green shoots, shall we say. And I totally understood where he was coming from because, you know, it was silly mistakes that cost us, but the performance itself wasn't too bad. And I think once we, once we, I wouldn't say we cut out the silly mistakes, but we got away with the silly mistakes in the first 15 minutes against, um, uh, against Longford. And, um, Again, the performance was quite good and quite attacking. So you see, you know, it was. Well, we scored one fourteen, Anthony. I think that was his point. It was a long time since one fourteen is decent yeah. scoring. Yeah, we lost the game, but like you can fix. That. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we we lost the game, and as I said, yeah, you can fix that. So yeah, it is very much glass half full at the moment. Thanks for your time, Anthony. We'll uh, look no forward problem. to continue reporting on the state of the glass over the course of the next yeah. couple of weeks. <laughs> Enjoy your trip Thanks to London as well. Right. By the way, don't take the helicopter. I don't, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'll make it. I don't know if I'll make it. You may talk to your boss there, see, will they, will they put me up somewhere? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to be, you don't want to be expecting, uh, working in Tip FM to, to be put up in a salubrious, uh, salubrious uh, uh, environment. But anyway, look, Shinsuke. Early, early best, okay. yeah. Thanks, Take care. Look, look, look. Anthony Shelley, Bureau of the County Football Board. Congratulations to Tip Footballers on that win in Longford. Good to see, good to see a response from the disappointment of the Carlo game. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month with the Talbot Hotel Clonmel. Multi-award winning wedding specialists with state-of-the-art leisure facilities and spa with food served daily. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month. Get your nominations in now. Well, we had a number of nominations in for the January Sports Star of the Month. There was really only two outstanding nominees. One was Amy Lee Murphy Crow. Now, you know Amy Lee's record for the Ireland Sevens is absolutely extraordinary. She scored five tries in six games as the Ireland Women's Sevens won their first ever title in the World Series, winning the gold medal in Perth. She scored tries in the quarterfinal, the semi-final, and the final. And uh, Amy Lee from Tipperary Town started her rugby career in Clan William. Uh, she really is just one of the superstars of the Sevens games. If you ever watch the Sevens game she is an outstanding exponent of that particular type of rugby and will be going to the Olympic Games as well representing Ireland she had a wonderful wonderful January also nominated was the Ursuline in Thurlis they beat Presentation Thurlis to win the Munster Schools A Camogie final then beat Presentation Athenry in the All-Ireland semi-final all those happened in January they're into an All-Ireland Camogie final we wish them well and uh, after much adjudicating and conjugating 
The panel of judges have decided that the Ursuline Thurlis are the Tip FM Sports Star of the Month for the month of January. If you want to nominate somebody for the month of February, just send an email to sportstar at tipfm.com. That's sportstar at tipfm.com. Um, speaking of bouncing back, uh, we spoke about our footballers bouncing back after their disappointment to Carlo. Our, our ladies footballers bounced back as well after their disappointment oh, um, when they lost to Tyrone. Uh, Tony Smith's on the line. How are you, Tony? Hi, Ronan. How are you? Uh, another and fine performance this time against Leash. Yeah, different game altogether, Ronan. I mean, Leash, Leash are a very poor side this year compared to where they were last year. They've only got about four or five of the players that they had in last year's panel for various reasons, girls opting out, injuries and what have you. So it was a comfortable win, but it should have been even more comfortable. Um, I suppose, was there a, 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 an element of, of learning from the Tyrone game or was that were they completely separate games, do you think? It was a completely different game. I mean, there's still that disappointment there from the Tyrone game, knowing that that was a game that we could have won and that it could come back to bite us before the league is over. Whereas against Leash, like, we played really well in the first half against a strong wind. We were comfortable at half-time, but we didn't really drive on in the second half when we were playing with the wind. And it was only in the last 10 minutes that we added on the goal and three points to make the score that bit more respectable. No Ashling um, this time? No Ashling. Ashling has a minor injury in her back, but she'll be available for the big game Sunday week. Which was? Which is? Against Kildare. Kildare, Kildare top, top of the, of the table. table along with Tyrone, aren't they? Correct, correct. They're on a serious momentum at the moment. I mean, they, they won the Intermediate last year. They won Division 3. I think somebody said to me they're on a 17-game unbeaten run. So really formed side. So it'll really be up to us on uh, Sunday week. So our forward coach, Michael O'Loughlin, will have his work cut out to convert possession into scores. Mm. It's, it, no, I often find this interesting because it's something that can happen in ladies football when you saw, saw Meath win the intermediate, go up to senior and then win the senior the following year. I mean, exactly, it just yeah, wouldn't exactly. happen in a male equivalent. Like. No, no, they wouldn't. No, no, no. Because there'd be too many teams around the road and that would be still established, you know. But it's just like Kildare are a very athletic team. And underage, they've been very good over the last number of years. But like when you get a momentum like this going, like they knocked up a big score again last Sunday. So look, it's it's all to play for against them. Like it's a must-win game for us, really. Uh, I suppose the question I ask again is: Is this a home or away affair? I don't know when the last time we played Kildare was. <laughs> no, we're. But so I can't. Nobody seems to remember when we last played Kildare. But somebody told us that the last time we played them was in Kildare. So the match is going to be in temporary. That could have been 1974 or something. But anyway, somebody keeps record somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, could, could be. it yeah. could well have been yeah. when the organisation was founded. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, look, it's yeah. a big game against Kildare. Is that next week or fortnight? Oh, Sunday week. Sunday week. Sunday week. Okay, yeah, lots yeah. to yeah. lots to do between now and then. But it is a it is a big big game because it's I suppose a top of the table clash, and uh, will go a long way to deciding who finishes in the top two places. I it imagine. does, but it can also impact on the other results. Like because as you know, like if, if three teams for this level, it's score difference. If two finish level, it's the head to head. So it's it's vital from our point of view that we have to win this, and we have to other results have to go our way as the league progresses. Yeah, well, it's 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 well done to everybody involved in that win over Leash. Tony, thanks for your time this evening. Thanks very much, Ronan. Not at Bye. all. Thanks indeed. Uh, that's Tony Smith with news of the ladies footballers' win over Leash. We wish them well in that big game against Kildare in a fortnight's time. Our text number is 083-311-3311. Let's go to Barry Ryan, who's on the line. Hey, Barry. Hey, Ronan. Lots to talk about tonight because uh, I suppose the first one that we're going to talk about is the FAI Junior Cup. Now, Peak Villa had to sacrifice home advantage because during one of the storms, one of the Atlantic storms, they were played 20 minutes, I think, against Crumlin 
I think it, they were one nil up or two nil up, and the game was abandoned. Yeah, two nil up in Turles, and the game was abandoned. And that must have been such a signal, yeah. Yeah, look, I suppose that really uh, kind of adds to the fact that they were good enough to go to Dublin um, and probably, you know, knowing that they were going to win the home game comfortably um, and the away game was going to take on a life of its own on a Saturday on an afterthought up in Dublin. And it proved to be exactly that way. Pete Villa scored early. Lee McCormick got a great goal at the back stick. But Crumlin then put them under pressure and had a penalty to equalise. Um, and Shane Maguire made a huge save. And look, that's a big, big thing as well because Willie Tierney has been the established goalkeeper for Pete Villa for a number of years and has now emigrated. And Willie had really established himself as one of the top junior keepers in the game. And Shane has come in and got man of the match in a huge FEI game up in Dublin, saving a penalty. And huge credit to his goalkeeping coach, um, Davy Coppinger, as well, who's done huge work there. And to Shane himself, um, because, look, he's, he's proved he's, he's well able to step up to the task. And, look, he, he also saved a one-on-one in injury time. They were clear through the middle and he got his body behind us to preserve a two-on-win mm-hmm. for Pete Phillips. So, job done. How do you, as excuse me, as a coach, like when you're used to playing on traditional grass pitches, get ready to take on a, an opposition in such a pivotal game like um, a fifth round of an FAI Junior Cup where the opposition are used to playing on, on a plastic pitch? Yeah, and look, people say to you all the time, oh, sure, look, everybody trains on it now. You know, it must be. And it, that's so wide of the mark. The Astor fucking Cromlin is terrible. Um, it's like a hockey pitch, really similar to Hardwick. It's really, really fast. The ball takes an unusual bounce off it as well. Um, and it's a completely different surface. And anybody who would have been familiar with the great Sheriff team over the two yes. houses would know that the Astroff that they played in Dublin, they were unstable on it. Because again, it was a hockey surface. Um, and they just knew the way to pass. They knew the bounce off it, everything. So training on it a couple of nights a week is completely different to going and playing on these specialised surfaces around the country. No, I think you um, make a valid point because they're not all the same. A grass pitch... No. They can vary, but at the end of the day, you can cope with a grass pitch. It yeah, can be, grass yeah. can be a bit long, it can be a bit bumpy, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, grass is the same. I never experienced that in different playing in Cook Park, Care Park, or the Complex. They were grass pitches. Ah, yeah, but they're, they're particularly good completely. ones now, in fairness. Yeah, well, look, you had a fair point as well. But all afters are completely different in terms of, of the bounce of the ball, the speed of the ball. They're just completely different in terms of 3G, 4G. They're all so different. Let's uh, so congratulations to Peak. I I can't remember. You will because you're better at this than me. Uh, remember who Peak got in the uh, the next round of the. Uh, so they play Bunkrana on Sunday in Turles. In Turles, a home draw, pivotal at this time of the year, isn't it? Yeah, pivotal. And look, Bunkrana against St. Michael's a big scare last year up in Donegal. Um, they're a really good side. They've only lost one game this season and that was to Cockhill Celtic who are favourites for the FAI Junior Cup. So, they have nine wins out of ten in the league. They're a really good side. They have three McDade brothers on the team. A couple of them around the Irish Junior National setup. Uh, it's a tough, tough game for Peak Villa and Turles on Sunday. I hope a big crowd turn up because Peak Villa are playing some really good football at the moment. Also, St. Michael's just keep winning again. But Celtic, Camel Celtic went up in the Munster Junior Cup quarter-final and gave an excellent account. I think what this says to me is what a good advert it was for the TSNDL. Yeah, look, a lot of teams go to Cook Park and they kind of buckle a little bit under the pressure. But Thomas Celtic went and played their football, tried to be offensive and go after them. And huge credit to the job um, that Kenny O'Shea, Eggy Doyle and Davey Askins are doing up there because that's the acid test when you go to Cook Park. And they went toe-to-toe, um, which I thought would open up and give St. Michael's loads of opportunities. It didn't prove to be the case. And it was in injury time they were done. Um, Darren Sweeney on, you know, on points from a corner misjudges the flight of the ball. And the golden rule when you're on points 
to a corner and you misjudged the fight if you now revert onto the post and he didn't he followed the ball as it went over his head David Slattery um, the big man for the big occasion all the time back stick fires the back across the goal there's nobody on the near post and it trickles in um, so it was a sore one for Thomas Edith to concede with the last kick of the game um, but look David Slattery all the time how many times FA Junior Cup finally scored the goal um, you know two FA Junior Cup finals and again in the 90 minutes in an FA Munster Junior Cup quarter final he's Johnny on the spot at the back stick and Michaels are into the semi-final Presumably then Michaels have an FAI next weekend as well if Pika Yes for me, this is the game, of the, uh, the game of the round of all the teams involved. They go away to Evergreen and Kilkenny. A lot of people might not be fully familiar with Evergreen and Kilkenny, and it's not just because I was down there last year. Evergreen has some of the best players in the country. Mikey Drennan, ex-Aston Villa, is as good a, ju- a player playing junior football as I've ever seen. Lee Delaney is the Irish Junior National centre-back. Um, Decky McQuillan in the middle of the park is as good as I've seen. Eaton Feeling on the wing is outstanding. David Grinstall is familiar to all the St. Michaels as a top, top goal scorer. It's a real... It's there to St. Michael's of Kilkenny, um, they're an unbelievable club, usually uh, the best facilities in the country down there, people will see that travel down, this is the tide around. Yeah, looking forward to that as well, we'll talk about that next week. Um, the Tipperary Cup first round was on, a lot of B teams involved, uh, well done Kilnall Rovers, uh, after extra time getting past Cashelltown B, it finished 2-2 but Kilnall winning on penalties, wins for Galbally over Ballangarry as well. Yeah, so look, I suppose they got centre stage, I suppose, with Tipperary Cup, and I did spot the killing all one as well. Uh, I thought that was a really, really good result for them, and it's going to put them now, uh, when the draw is made, in with a chance of maybe coming up against the St. Michaels or, you know, Clamel Celtic. It's going to be a big scalp, maybe even Clamel Town. Yeah, Clamel Town, incidentally, had uh, an away win against Wilderness Rovers. Before people sort of think that this is a Clamel Town revival, Wilderness Rovers are just having an awful time of it at the moment. Yeah, look, I think credit to Wilderness Rovers to fulfilling all their fixtures so that they can go down into the first division next season and can rebuild from there, um, which is a huge credit to them because how often do we see teams just give walkovers? Um, and they have not done that at all. They've galvanised, they've took some heavy defeats, but they're playing away. And I think next season, when they go down to the first division, it'll be in calmer waters. And I think they'll get a chance to regroup and bring through a few players. But I, I'd have a lot of respect for how they're going about it this season. Yeah, I mean, it, like you've ticked the town of Clamel the size of it you've got four teams playing uh, junior football really if you can town Celtic Wilderness Rovers and Old Bridge is there room for that? I think there is. I think it's just it's competitive at the moment because Clamwell Celtic are having such a revival and going so well. So it's a real attraction to go and play there. And Sean Brown has been Wilderness' best player for a number of years, and now he's with Celtic, and you couldn't blame him for that either. But I still, you know, Wilderness is still fielding teams every week and having the numbers. It's just it's just that the Premier Division is very very strong. I think if they were in the First Division, I think we'd be talking about them getting a win here or win there, like we do with Oldbridge. So I'd like to think that there is room for them there to thrive and succeed. Um, but I don't think there's room for three clubs in Carmel in the Premier Division possibly Yeah it's a fair point Barry as always my thanks to you for your time and we look forward to chatting to you next week next week Thanks for him. Take care that's Barry Ryan and that really I have to say those fixtures that Barry touched on are well worth seeking out if you're out and about this coming weekend because the FAI Junior Cup taking centre stage Peak Villa against Bunkrana Hearts at 1pm Evergreen against St Michael's at 2pm that one in Kilkenny and don't forget as well of course Clamel Celtic taking on Letter Kenny Rovers that's at 12pm next Sunday afternoon. Best luck to all the Tipperary representatives in the FAI Junior Cup. We've obviously got full live commentary on Tipperary Galway next Sunday afternoon here on Tip FM. My thanks to everybody who contributes to tonight's show. Uh, Ian O'Connor produced. That's all we have time for. Good night and good luck. 
Extra Time on Tip FM. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel, and OREA.